Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies and their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. I respectfully refuse, sir. Hear that? Yes. It's Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. You might know him better by his nickname. The Bear Jew. Have you heard, Aldo, the patch you got heard about the Bear Jew? I heard of the Bear Jew. What'd you hear? Beats German soldiers with the club. He bashes the brains in with a baseball bat, what he does. And Werner, I'm gonna ask you one last goddamn time. If you still respectfully refuse, I'm calling the Bear Jew over. He's gonna take that big bat of his, and he's gonna beat your ass to death with it. Welcome to On the QT. I'm Gurlami. <laughs> you can't do it. You have to do it. That's Gurlami, not Gurlami. 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 And I'm Antonio Margariti. Dominic De Coco. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what movie we're talking about? It's uh, it's Inglorious Bastards Week here. Uh, I'm John. I'm Lloyd. And our guest. This is important this week, guys. Right. I feel like like one of the bosses stopped by. Right? Yeah, right. Forgotten Entertainment. Uh, we're we're almost at the end of our run. We're getting close. We have what three full episodes after after this one, and uh, they got a quality control sent in here. They sent Mike Butler from uh, Forgotten Entertainment uh, down to check in on the show. And uh, and Mike, how, are you comfortable? Do you want another beer? Do I need to? Would you, would you like Lloyd? Not me, by the way. To rub your feet, anything like that. Uh, I'm here for the audit, so yeah. Let me get my clipboard out and let me see how you guys run this operation. I've already noted a couple of things that uh, I'm gonna have to check off on my uh, my list. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, we've got written procedures, so no <laughs> worries. <laughs> Two places below yet another Star Wars podcast for snack choices. Uh, I don't <laughs> like watermelon. <laughs> all right, you so had yeah. a shandy on the table. I didn't drink the shandy, so that's a plus. But you had shandy. That's good, a negative. Good choice. I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep the name out because I don't want to throw any under the bus. Right. But a certain company that uh, that uh, operates out of I think Rhode Island, right? Is it Rhode that Island? was a shady shandy. That was not good. So if you're out there and you see a certain company that specializes in shandy beers and it's a passion fruit mango one. Avoid at all costs. All right. <laughs> so here we are. We're here to talk about uh, what what would this be in order now again? We got Res Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, Jackie Brown's 3, Kill Bill 1 and 2 are 4, four and five. 5, Death Proof 6. So this is the seventh film 
in the uh, in the filmography of Quentin Tarantino. Numero seven. Yeah, numero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not seeing the hand gestures. You're not seeing the hand gestures. Uh, so, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, this was released in uh, 2009. Do you have an exact date, Lloyd? I didn't write the. I got date August down. 21st. August 21st. I do remember it was a summer film. I saw this in the theaters. Lloyd, did you see it in the theater? I did not. Butler, of course. But again, I forget. Butler uh, works in a theater, and uh, I think I was actually at this time back in college. I was. Uh, I think this was the first week back for me. So I. Had to pay to watch this movie. Okay. Uh, Butler, uh, by the way, uh, actually is one of the guys uh, running Forgotten Entertainment. He's also the uh, co-host of Forgotten Cinema, Cracking One Open. Two-player bros. Two-player bros. And uh, and something else coming along the pike. We won't throw that out there. Right. Uh, but we start all the episodes with uh, – talk. you hear my dog in the background, by the way. That's just going to happen because they're fucking crazy tonight. <laughs> um, but we do talk about in all these episodes with our guests your level of fandom with Tarantino. I am not – what would you call a, tar- a Tarantino head, a Tino head? Yeah, I mean, I, what, it, what are they called? Do they have it, a name? I didn't know there was a term for it. There's yeah. always a term for it, man. All right. Like Trekkers and Trekkies. Yeah. Do you, do you have to go see every film in the theaters? Are you? Do you watch every movie five times? You know, where, where I, If a Tarantino film comes out, it's an event film. An event film. It's a film I want to see. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. He's one of the best. He, Granted, they're all Tarantino movies. They are his own genre of film i don't have to see them five times there are some that i have like in glorious bastards i have now seen this is my fourth time but i have not watched it since it first came out django i have seen probably five or six times pulp fiction i've seen it quite a few times but for the most part i'm I'm okay with being one and done for him okay all right fair but i think he's phenomenal in doing what he he does he knows what he's doing and he has a love for cinema that i respect yeah as we've kind of talked about on this show he's a he's a, a, a household name Right, every director in America is not a household name. Right, you get some Spielberg household name, you know, and some maybe not for the right reasons. You know, M Night Shyamalan. You know, we've kind of discussed him on uh, on other things. Um, maybe circusy, maybe he's known for his tricks, but people know who that is. Right. Then there's a lot of guys. You know, Michael Bay. He's known because he does everything big and loud and, and explosions, and, explosions <laughs> and stupid. And then you've got like you know Michael Bay, uh, you know Junior, uh, what's his name, Zack Snyder, who kind of does like you know he's the slow mo guy and. You know, release the four-hour cut of a, of a shitty movie. But Tarantino is one of those guys that will go down as someone that you will know. You know, you're, I, I know what movies he made. He's the dialogue guy. Right. He, right. Is, he is a big dialogue guy, absolutely. Spielberg, Cameron, Tarantino, in terms of, like, just great movies. Not like he has a shtick. They're just movies that will stand the test of time. And I'm not saying James Cameron is fantastic, but he's made movies that are fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And that makes him a, a name. Yeah. Much so, like Tarantino. So frustrated that that guy is spending so much time on fucking Avatar sequels. Five Avatars. Where's my True Lies 2? You're 15, mm. 20 years too where's late my, for my True Where's Lies my two? Blu-ray of the of the Abyss with like all extras and... Because he the reason that hasn't come out is Is there no Blu-ray for Abyss? No. Um, wow. Which is weird for a guy obsessed, who's only doing Avatar to build more submersibles. Right. He won't do a Blu-ray because to him, when he does the director's version and all the commentary, he immerses himself into it as if he's making a movie again. Yeah. So he won't do that until he has the time. Unfortunately, he's, he's making, never going to have the time. He's making avatars two through nine for the next 44 <laughs> fucking years. I'm never going to get the Blu-ray. That's why I have, I still have my DVD collection. I have the director's cut DVD of the abyss and um, I keep that thing like, because I don't ever want to lose yeah. it. You know right. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. You polish it every night. I polish it. Yeah, <laughs> I polish something every night. So Lloyd, uh, real quick, let's do the uh, let's do the bumper sticker. What is uh, what is this one all about? An alternate history tale of two converging plots to assassinate uh, several high-ranking Nazi leaders in a French cinema. Yep, that's perfect. That's essentially what everybody. That's the goal or the end point that everybody in this movie is is moving towards. Right. Uh, first thing I want to mention upon re rewatching this. Now I've seen this. I saw it in the theaters. I've seen this a few times in the ensuing years. I hadn't seen it in probably five or six years. How do you guys feel about the title Inglorious Bastards? Me personally, I don't think you could do it because of the word Nazi. But I almost think a better title is, what is the first chapter title? Once Upon a Time in Nazi-Occupied uh, France? France, yep. That's a better movie title for this. Because Inglorious Bastards... That's a long title. That was the original title. Was it really? And he changed it. And made it the first chapter because he thought it was too long. But then went ahead and did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And I, I I did like the fact that he kind of reused that motif. I would have thought you would never be able to use that because, in all honesty, you're never getting a movie in the theaters with the word Nazi in the title. You'd have to rename it for Germany because yeah. Germany would not let you use Nazi. They didn't even let them use the Nazi flags because they couldn't decide whether it was historical purposes or just uh, to promote Nazism. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think when you look at the title – you think that this movie is essentially about the Brad Pitt-led group, the Bastards. And really, this movie is not. It's not. Really, this movie is not. I want to I go back. I want to retroactively answer something. So along with, uh, with Forgotten Entertainment, Pat Whalen has been doing a great series of videos where he's been asking, like, is there anything you would like to have seen a sequel to? I don't honestly remember my answer, but here's the answer I have. I would love to have seen a sequel to this movie that was entirely about like the gathering of the Inglorious Bastards and just about some of their missions. You guys agree? Like, I love those movies where it's a mission-based movie. Mm-hmm. You've got these different characters. You recruit them. I, I love stuff like that. Think of Ocean's Eleven or Armageddon. And I would have loved to have... I'm not saying I don't like this movie. Trust me. <laughs> but I would have loved to have seen more about More about the Bastards. The Bastards, right? Right. Because in the end, you spend a lot of time away from these guys in this movie. You only see them really doing one thing is in the beginning. Right. You know, and uh, you don't really see them until they're in the French theater after. Well, a little bit in the basement. There's there's several groups of characters that get, you know, as they should. They yeah. get full, um, you know, the full benefit of being on screen and, and being part of the story. So I just, I kind of feel like the title is a little misleading. Yeah, but, you know, he also had the homage to the original Inglorious Bastards movie. Right. And he took a little liberty in the spellings, you know, for artistic reasons. He'll never say why. Yeah, no, just for artistic reasons. Yeah. Just leave it at that. I, I read that. Who cares? It's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. In my head, it's just one of these guys who's probably like a not super educated, you know, soldier fucking misspelled bastards. And it's, you know, it, it's it works well. Yep, you know, right. <laughs> it works well. Who's in this thing? Let's talk about the cast. This is a good one. We got a huge cast for this. So Brad Pitt as Lieutenant Aldo, the Apache Reign, uh, the battle-hardened, battle-hardened commander of the Bastards. I can't tell you. I, I like Brad Pitt. I love Brad Pitt in this movie. He's so good in this. This is probably my favorite Brad Pitt The accent of all. Yeah. That Tennessee, you know, you're going to get me my scalps. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. He is just so fucking good. The, the little bits of story that they give the character that you don't, it's not story, but it's there. The fucking the new scar around his neck. Why yep, is that? You don't there? see it. It never referred to, but I right. mean, you don't you don't hear the story about it, but you see it every time. Right. You bootlegger, don't have to bootlegger in Tennessee. You get a little bit of his backstory. So you can kind of contemplate. Well, that works to your thing, making little mini stories. Uh, like yeah. you could have done. This was in the perfect year 
or maybe a year after where people were starting to do little mini web series attached to their films. This would have been great to do little vignettes. Eli Roth, like Quentin Tarantino, loved Eli Roth's little mini movie, which I'm sure we'll go mm. into. He could have had Eli Roth go off and do, give me a Bear Jew, give me an Aldo Rain, and give me maybe like, uh, give me a Hans Landa or something like that. Give me three or four of these guys. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen like a... Like a It'd be I know, great for vignettes. Yeah, this would be perfect. A little Netflix series. It would yeah. not have even had to been directed by Quentin Tarantino. You could have just given it to Eli Roth or some other up Robert Rodriguez. Get some of your friends. And each one of you do a little 15-minute thing focusing on one of these guys. And then yep. maybe, maybe like an hour-long thing focusing on one of their missions. You know, like, like a little mini-movie or something focusing on one of their missions. I just – I feel like that is – when I watch this movie, I love this movie. Spoiler alert. But that is one of the things I miss the most out of it is that it really – when this thing was first coming out, before it was made, okay? And, and we'll get into – you're going to say it anyway, but I'll just say it. Adam Sandler was – considered to play the uh, the Bear Jew, the, uh, the Eli Roth role. And I remember reading on online that Adam Sandler has uh, is, is very possible for a role in Quentin Tarantino's um, ensemble film about, like, you know, it's like his Dirty Dozen. Right. It's not his Dirty Dozen, mm. right? Because they don't spend that much time with these characters. And I just wish we had gotten something like that as well. I'm not saying change this right. movie. It doesn't take away from this at all. Just do it on the side. I would have yeah. loved to. So there's my my real answer all to right. Pat Whalen's question. For whatever I said before, fuck it. It's I wish they had done something with these characters. And you could say they could do it now, but it's it's 12 years later. People are older. It just probably wouldn't work. Yeah, that's true. One other thing. I do you any of you know is is Brad Pitt's pronunciation of certain words all his own or do you think they were written that way or do you know? Well, I would say Like in other words, Nazis yeah. I think that was something that they talked about. I'm sure Tarantino, who went to Brad Pitt's Italian estate, yeah. uh, they ate bottles of rosé, apparently, trying to, <laughs> try to convince him to get this role, probably talked at length about the background of his character. He'd have the new scar. This is who your character is. This is where he is. If you notice, when Aldo Rain speaks, he also speaks as if he has been hung. He yeah, speaks he yeah. like this. Like he's gotten yeah. some kind of throat injury as well. Yeah. So I'm sure all of that was talked about. Tarantino doesn't do anything by accident. No. He doesn't leave anything to chance, and he doesn't leave his – his actors aren't really left up to do okay. their own thing. Yeah, no. He, I saw him on Stern one time, and they asked him about um, – I think it was with Jamie Foxx for, for Django. And – no, it was actually Jamie Foxx. And Stern asked him, were you allowed to improvise? And he said, I'm going to paraphrase Quentin Tarantino. You say my fucking words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, you you might be able to add something to it in terms of like your inflection or something, and all but that. you fucking say my words. So I would not be surprised if this was a complete, um, you know, the two of them came together. But again, when you got a Brad Pitt, you know that Brad Pitt, even with Tarantino, gets his way to a certain extent. You know, yep. like I don't know, that's uh, Brad, that's Quentin Tarantino, and that's Brad Pitt. I, I think Tarantino holds more weight over his own movie than Pitt. Yeah, I know because you don't need Pitt in your Tarantino, especially at, by this point. This is when you don't need. And he, he could have fucking Joe Smo play Aldo Rain, and you're still going to see this movie. Yeah, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess. All right. All right. Fair. All right. Then we have Melanie Laurent as Shoshana Dreyfus slash Emmanuel Mimiu. Yeah. Uh, she, what, what, is the, what is the line? Uh, what does he say? Au revoir, Shoshana! Au revoir, Shoshana! <laughs> I yeah, love I love that. the way he says Shoshana. Um, a young Jewish cinema owner whose family was executed uh, by Hans Landa in the opening scene. She's a French actress, filmmaker, and singer. Hot. Yeah, very hot. She's hot. Then we have Christoph Waltz as Donderton Führer, in other words, Colonel. Yeah. Hans Landa, the Jew hunter. 
Yeah. I remember seeing this in the theaters. I remember the first scene. Never heard of Christoph Waltz before. Revelation, right? This guy, right? And in this movie, it's one of the best performances I've ever seen in a movie. Yep. Period. Ever. Period. Yes. Right? He is, we, we just recently did on our show, Pine Comics, our top 10 uh, uh, villains. He made my list. He made my list. And your list, right? He's magnetic, man. This guy is, it's unfucking real what this guy does with this role. You simultaneously are impressed by him. You hate him. And not just for being a Nazi. He's a smug fuck Nazi. He's a smug <laughs> and he knows more than everyone else in the room. Right. We discussed this a little bit off air. Not a scene in the movie where you don't feel like he knows what's going on in the entire movie. He knows everything in this movie. Yeah. And he makes, you know, he kind of makes some references to the fact that he's, you know, he's called the Jew hunter because that's kind of what he's known for. But he takes offense to that in a slight way. He just considers himself a great detective, mm-hmm. right? And his yep. job is to find people. Because at the beginning, he talks about how he doesn't necessarily hate the Jew. People just hate Jews because they hate Jews. But right. I love know, he's, his, he's not uh, the typical Nazi who gives into that propaganda. Right. And he's obviously he's not the typical Nazi for what, how this movie ends as well in terms yeah. of what he's willing to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love when he has his uh, conversation with uh, the French guy in the beginning. And he makes that comparison with the Jews and, and the rats and the squirrels. And you're just like, oh, my God, this guy, this guy's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Christoph Waltz is all time. All he's a, he's a lord in this movie. Yeah. All time. Great. Quentin Tarantino thought about not doing this movie. He almost gave up because this is almost a decade long movie for him right. to try to do. And he couldn't find a Hans Landa and almost stopped making this movie at one point because he was like, no one can play Hans Landa. Right. I can't make this And I movie. do have uh, that Leonard, Leonardo DiCaprio was actually considered for this first. Yeah, bri- briefly I, considered for no. this and then given the role of Calvin Especially Candy. with all this, you know, the foreign language speaking. I, I love Leo. He could not do this role. No. No, no one could do this role except for Christoph Waltz. And yeah. in the next movie you guys do for Django, no one could do that role except for Christoph Waltz as well. Right. Yeah. And he – we'll talk about it, but what a 180. Yeah, he absolutely. Plays, he plays such a bad piece of shit human being in this one. And right. then he's such, a, such a good human such being. Such a good human being You immediately just fucking love him in Django from hating him in this. Yeah. Yes. And that's what makes – that's why he got another Oscar. Right. He's – because he played that other role so well. That's it's acting like, for you, right? Yeah. That's acting, literally. He's not a villain. He's not because some people get pigeonholed. Oh, you're a great villain. Or oh, you're you're the great stand-up guy. He's Christoph Waltz. Give him a role. He's got it. I wish we had Green gotten... Hornet blows. <laughs> yeah, he's and that. he's fantastic in his role in the Green Hornet. I wish he's great. I wish we had gotten a good Bond film for him to have been Blofeld in. Yeah, I never uh, saw Spectre, yeah. but he was in Spectre and he's in the upcoming don't, No don't, Time to Die. Don't see Spectre. Yeah, and I That's love the Daniel Craig Bond films, and I'm yeah. obsessed with James Bond. Don't don't watch Batman. Yeah, it's not yep. good. It's not very good. <laughs> All right, Mister, who else we got? So we've got Eli Roth as Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, the Bear Jew. This is the guy. He's a brooding member of the Bastards, and he executes Nazis with his baseball bat. He gained like 30 pounds of muscle for this movie. Yeah. All he, in his arms. All in his arms. Yeah, he, he's fucking giant. Teddy, he really went yard on that one. <laughs> what is it? Teddy Baseball. He went yard on that one. Yeah. 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 Fucking, he, he's great in this. Uh, uh, great director as well. I mean, I don't love his movies, but I, I love some of the stuff he does. Mm-hmm. He's got a style for sure. Like if you've ever seen Cabin Fever or Hostel, which, you know, it's, it's torture porn, but it's still kind of uh, interesting torture that porn. That was the movie that made me realize that I just don't like torture porn. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the one he did with Jack Black? I the, did uh, not. Magic, we did that on Forgotten Cinema, and the name escapes me all of a sudden. The House with the Clock the and the Walls. The House with the Clock and the yep. Walls is 
amazing. It's a great kids family film. Like he just proves that he can do pretty much any genre. He's yeah, I mentioned that during Death Proof. Yeah, yeah. He's that movie's really good. It's like an eighties family movie. Yep. All right, I'm gonna check it out. All right, cool. Yep. And like we said before, Adam Sandler was considered to play this role, but had a schedule uh, scheduling conflict for funny people. Uh, yeah, for funny people. <laughs> do you guys? A question for you guys. Do you guys think he kind of is playing an Adam Sandler in that first scene he appears? Do you guys find that he's trying to like mimic Adam Sandler? I didn't notice in my last view, but this I viewing, could, I kind of went. It feels like he's trying to be Adam. I've never picked that up, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I could yeah. see it. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. Because I know they did it sequentially, so that's his first scene, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's very Sandler, and then he kind of is himself. I yeah. absolutely love that scene for the fact that you know you 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 got the. You know, essentially, the Nazis are fearing him because they know the bastards will kill everybody but leave someone to tell the story. And the story is is that the bear Jew, uh, Donnie Donowitz, yep. uh, beats you to death with a baseball bat. <laughs> and he was in that tunnel. Whatever. Well, that's what I'm saying, the yeah. tunnel. And, and he, he was cranking at it like 20 times he hit the wall with that you bat. You hear him cracking like, the wall with that. And that whole scene where you could see the fear. The guy's not going to give up the goods. No. But the fear in his eyes. And, you know, I'm giving you a chance, you know. He's coming. The Bear Jew. A Bear Juden. You know, it's, it's so fucking good. Closest thing so we good. get to being in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Watching Donnie beat Nazis is the closest thing we get to being in the cinema. <laughs> and then we get Michael Fassbender as Lieutenant Archie Hickox. First movie I ever saw Michael Fassbender in. Same. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. First thing I ever saw him in. Uh, he is a British commando and former film critic uh, who goes on a mission, uh, the Kino Kino mission or whatever they call Operation it. Kino. Operation yeah. Kino uh, with the bastards. Um, obviously, he's from 300 and Prometheus and Alien Covenant and played Magneto in many X-Men films. Great in First Class. Yeah, that was a good movie. You know, he's great as Magneto in First Class. Just those movies just went on a little bit too long. Yeah. Yeah, anything after First Class. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. No, did you know Tarantino wanted to cast Simon Pegg? Yes. But and also scheduling conflicts for that. Now, I don't know how much they have to pay to break their contracts, but depending on how famous I was, like if you're at Simon Pegg's level, you break that contract yeah, to work with Yeah, Tarantino. for Tarantino? Well, not just yeah. that. You you can't tell me that, I mean, again, the movie's okay. You can't tell me that Adam Sandler doesn't regret making funny people, which he was <laughs> the, essentially pretty much the star of. You know, Jonah or um, Seth Rogen is, is there too. Right. But like, even though he carried that movie... I think it would have been better for his career to have done a 15-minute part in a Tarantino movie than that. Now, I didn't do any research now about Adam Sandler rejecting the role, but I remember when this came out, Adam Sandler said he wasn't right for the role. This wasn't a role he was ready for at the time. Oh, okay. He well, didn't want to do something violent and, and, and kind it, of dramatic like that. That makes total sense. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Because you know what? Roth you know, Roth is the bear Jew, and yeah, it works. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I think Sandler could have done it, especially after seeing, like, Uncut Gems, where you know, but that's much later in his career. It is much later. I'm saying. I'm just saying. I, I think that he probably had it in him, but I don't think it's wrong to say no to something like that either. Right. You he's know? also not the violent person in that film. No, he's not. But, right. But he he still has like that level of like gravitas or well, punch drunk love. He already proved that beforehand. Too. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've heard that's good. Yeah. He it's okay, but he's fantastic in it. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. Then we have Diane Kruger as Bridget von Hammersmark. A uh, German film star, basically a spy for the Allies, who uh, does a rendezvous in the tavern with if, the bastards. If the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, if the shoe fits. Tarantino actually choked her out. Told yeah. her before, he goes, I am going to choke you to the point where you're going to pass out. Oh, my God. Like, this guy, the, the more we get into his movies, Uma this Thurman guy, after and, the Uma Thurman Kruger. thing. Listen, I mean, that's never acceptable. But the fact that he only used, like, two seconds of it in the actual final cut yeah. makes mm. it more on it. Like, you didn't even use it. 
you just wanted to choke her out. Yeah. It's like, that's an abuse of power. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> we're again, we're, we're here to have fun with these movies, but yeah, I think there's definitely some stuff underneath the uh, surface with this guy. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and she's also For kind sure. of the focus of his foot fetish in this film. Yes, yeah, which, she, which she is, is a little one. lower than Death Proof. Death Proof was <laughs> a 10. Uh, this is like <laughs> right, maybe this, a 2. <laughs> maybe a 2, yeah. right. Uh, did you know that he talked to Nastasha Kinski for the role? I did, and I think they said they thought she was too old, right? Um, that, and I just heard that they just couldn't close the deal. Yeah. Cat people. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. Apparently putting out fire. He didn't know Diane Kruger was uh, German. He didn't think she could play a convincing German because he'd only seen American films. Really? So she had to convince him, uh, no, I'm German. Yeah. Well, Kruger. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. she's native German, but he had to, she had to prove that to him. Don't just pay attention to the National Treasure films, all right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Then we have Daniel Bruhl as Frederick Zoller, German army soldier, who's basically his story uh, of his heroics is made into a propaganda film. And he gets seriously infatuated with Shoshana. He's great in this movie. Yeah. He's half Spanish, half German actor. I never, Do you I want to know his whole name? Go ahead. Go for it. Daniel Cesar Martin Bruhl Gonzalez Domingo. Yeah. That's awesome. Why doesn't he use that? <laughs> that's, yeah. your, that's your poster. Right. He's just, he's a good actor. Uh, he yeah. Recently, uh, he plays Baron Zemo in obviously Civil War, and he came back in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, he was great in that. I mean, he was, you know, a lot of humor, but he was great in that. And he's really good did, in this Did movie. you guys ever watch The Alienist? Yes. Yeah, he's really good in that as well. He reminds me of, in this film, he reminds me of like a Nazi Tom Cruise yeah. Like, yeah. he gives off a lot of Nazi Tom Cruise vibes. Not like Valkyrie Nazi I Tom think Cruise. he is kind of like if a, this was a Tom Comics, Cruise of Germany. Yeah. If this was Pine of Comics and we named episodes, this one would be called Nazi Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and it would not get on iTunes. Right. That's true. <laughs> then we have Till Schweiger as Sergeant Hugo Stiglitz. As soon as you said that, I saw the fucking... I, no, see, that's what I'm talking about. I would have loved to have seen a movie where every bastard gets, like, that title card. Yeah. And, like, and a little bit about them. But Hugo Stiglitz is fucking badass. Yeah. Isn't he the only one who has music? He yeah. is. He's the only one who gets yeah. a title card, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a former German, German army soldier who murdered... Uh, numerous Gestapo officers and recruited by the bastards. I've got a quote from my wife. So I, I was watching this and she's you know, not paying attention, just kind of reading. But, you know, she's in and out as she always is. And the scene where he stabs the guy in the face through the pillow, she goes, that's fucking gross. Well, <laughs> my favorite kill of any movie is when they show him stuffing his fist down a guy's throat to I kill him. I love that, yes. <laughs> Stuffs his fist down <laughs> a guy's throat. Him up and just, yeah. yeah. And also... Uh, in the in the in the scene at the end uh, in the basement bar, blows the guy's uh, dick, off. The guy's dick <laughs> oh, off. So good. Like he doesn't just shoot the guy in the dick. He pushes the gun really hard into right his there. crotch, which is already like that. That's gotta hurt. Yep. Then fucking pulls the trigger. <laughs> and I'm surprised that guy got some shots off after that too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. So but yeah. <laughs> apparently, he didn't want to do this role because he's born German. He hates Nazis. He didn't want to wear yeah, the uniform. He didn't want to right. wear the uniform. And then they told him, "Well, you get to kill a whole bunch of Nazis." Yep. Probably told him what the fist <laughs> throw. And he was like, "I'm all in." But what's interesting is after that, in Valkyrie, he played another Nazi officer, and he's not one of the guys who was in on the conspiracy. Oh, oh, I've really? never seen Valkyrie. I've seen Valkyrie once. It was it was decent. I don't remember much more about well, it. If you check out our Forgotten Cinema episode of Valkyrie, we might be able to change your mind. All right, I'll, All check, right, it I'll check it out. I'll check it out. <laughs> out. <laughs> oh. ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. <laughs> hey, he's allowed to do that. Hey, he's the boss, right? That's right. Um, I will say uh, I didn't realize this because I don't know much about German cinema, but on IMDb, he's, it says, like when it starts off, he is like Germany's biggest director or most fa or most popular director of film. 
So I guess Till Schweiger is like Steven Spielberg over there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these people are pretty famous, you know, foreign actors and, yeah. and filmmakers. I know he's a big actor. I didn't know he was a director. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an actor and director. Yeah. Yeah. He was in King Arthur, the 2004. Oh, uh, another Forgotten Cinema episode. He was, <laughs> check that out. I might be able to change your mind. The did Replacement you, you Killers. Like I like it. Field actually ended up liking it, yes. I did not like that uh, one. He, he thought he was going to hate it, but it turned out he... Didn't love it, but he did like it. All right, moving on. Jackie Ito as Marcel. Uh, that is Shoshana's lover and film projectionist in the cinema. Uh, and he was also an uncredited slave in Django Unchained. Okay. B.J. Novak as Smithson Yudovich, the little man. The little man. <laughs> the little man. The uh, a member of the Bastards, and he's the one with Aldo at the end of the, uh, of the movie. You'll know him as the writer and actor for The Office. Yep, uh, he played Brian. And I think executive producer as well. Yep, towards the end, I think, yeah. He had yep. to take a year off. He was in Indonesia in The Office while he was filming. That's right. Oh, That's right. Yeah. his high school friends. Yeah, Omar Doom as Omar Ulmer. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, member of the Bastards unit. He poses as the Italian cameraman, cameraman I'm sorry, Dominic De Coco. He's the only one that has a decent Italian accent, too. Right, yeah. When, when Pitt says, you know, Gorlami. Gorlami. He sounds Gorlami. like a Tennessee guy. Homer knows third best. Yeah. So you're, you're the cameraman. Buongiorno. I don't know any. That's why you know third best. And he's the one who says it the best. <laughs> like, right, because you get Eli Roth is a Antonio Margretti. <laughs> and then actually, it's like he gets Dominic De Coco out sounding pretty good. Yeah. I do love, uh, it's like a throwaway line, but I love Donnie Donowitz going, you got 30 yards, you got to make this shot. Can you do it? He yep. goes, I guess I have to. Yeah. I, That's I, a great I, scene, I gotta, too. I like, love that line. Yeah. I, I have no choice. Those fucking, those, which were real, by the way. Those gloves with the oh yeah, the those are real wrist, guns. The wrist guns, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real. That was like a, I think they said it was like a last, a, essentially a last ditch effort. Like if you're you're out of ammo, oh, you're, you're out of everything. That one shot, you're left. getting yeah. one he shot. He just jammed it right in the guy. Yeah, hmm. um, yeah. We're, we're describing if you've never seen the movie these little these gloves that they put on that have like one shot. They were Boba Fett gloves. They remind me totally of Boba Fett. <laughs> you're right. <guys. laughs> yeah. These one shot little guns on the back of the glove, and essentially the trigger is also the barrel. So when you push it into something, yep. it shoots. And, uh, and it's they, like a nail gun. Sort yeah, of. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it was very crazy, very crazy. Yeah, so and Omar he, Doom was in uh, he Death was Proof. in Death Proof and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He loves to reuse his actors. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Dominic De Coco, <laughs> uh, Sam Levine as Gerald Hirschberg, another member of the Bastards. Uh, he's Neil Schweiber from Freaks and Geeks. He is, and that's why he got the role. Quentin Tarantino is a huge Freaks and Geeks fan, and me too. Him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Um, and uh, little known fact, you know, he had two roles in this film. And what was the other one? The other one you can't tell. In the, the 999, the Hitler scene in the yeah, beginning, yeah. someone's in the back painting the... Um, oh, okay. That's him painting <laughs> oh, that's as well. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got a few more here. Let's keep going. August Deal as Sturmbaumführer Major Dieter Hellstrom of the Gestapo. Uh, he's the one in the tavern that questions Fassbender's accent. I will say this, and this is kind of one of those things where I just never realized it. I never realized that was the same character that's in the restaurant earlier. Yeah. Never. And doesn't he take her into the car as well? Yes. And yeah. I never same realized guy. that. <laughs> that's I, the same guy. I didn't yeah. even realize that until you just said it. Yeah. In the <laughs> it's like the third or fourth time I've seen this In movie. the restaurant scene with the strudel. He's that guy. He's that He's guy. That douchebag. Yep. Yeah. Which is so weird that, uh, you know, he ends up, because don't they say like, that village is like thirty miles outside of Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like so. What's he doing out there? Like, uh, but whatever. It's it's a movie. Well, he took his crew out for the other. Uh, yeah. Do any of you guys get a Vince Vi- Vince Vaughn vibe off of him? 
I don't get a Vince Vaughn vibe necessarily. I get a I know this guy from somewhere, and when I looked him up on, looked him up on IMDb, I don't watch German shit, so I don't. I definitely okay. Yeah, it seemed to me he was familiar, but he definitely was not familiar to, to me. It was sort of Vince Vince Vaughn, you know, just like uh, maybe not Cell Block ninety nine, but some Vince Vaughn when he's just real mouthy. Oh, he's he's. I can see that. Yeah, his yeah. character is certainly a button pusher. Yeah. Uh, then we have Dennis Menoche as Perrier Le Padit. That's the French farmer in the opening scene. Now, he was also in Hannibal Rising and Robin Hood. And how good is that scene? Oh, it's it's like one of cinema's greatest opening scenes, period. That it, makes the movie for you. It it's yeah. so tense. The, the, you, you, you're literally clenching your ass watching this scene because you just you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. And at this point, the first time you see the movie, you don't know Hans Landa yet. So you don't know that he's always once – you get the feeling – but you don't realize he's perpetually one step ahead of everybody. Um, yeah, it's incredible. And he's in the beginning. He's out there chopping. Well, he's he's, he's chopping his chopping thumb. a chopping block. Really, he's not, <laughs> yeah, he's not chopping no anything. There. Okay, <laughs> first thing I noticed. I noticed the same thing. He's chopping the stump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just going. Got to get my work at and got to get my fifteen reps. Yeah. yeah, and I guess this is another thing I never realized is that one of his daughters is Leia Sadu from from Bond. Yeah. yeah, I oh, never okay. realized that. No, I didn't know that. I kind of I'm watching her. She's the redhead, right? Yep. The one that he kind of is in charge? The one that ki- he kisses the hand of and goes, each of your daughters is more beautiful than that. Does, yeah. does the wife seem pretty young to you? That Well, that wasn't the wife. That was one of his daughters. All three were daughters? Yes. All of them were. I think oh, all three. Okay. You one of the most beautiful daughters in all the land. All right. One of them seemed to be in charge of the others. That, so I think is like, maybe like, a situation that's a young that wife. I'm going to write this. I think maybe the wife died of like cholera two all years right. prior. Okay. And the oldest daughter, Has who looked better those. than the younger daughters, in terms of like she looked younger, is like maybe like the the marm now. All right, yeah. all right. I'll do a few more really quickly. Sylvester Groth as Joseph Goebbels, the German filmmaker. Martin Wutke as Adolf Hitler, and I kind of like how they got a guy that didn't look classically like Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Mike Myers as General Ed Fenich uh, of the British Army. Julie Dreyfus as Francesco Mandino. Uh, his or not his. The interpreter for filmmaker Goebbels. She also played Sophie Fatale in Kill Bill, Volume yep. One. Sexiest sex scene ever is when Goebbels is uh, is railing her. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see a really quick flash. Uh, Richard Samuel as Sergeant Werner Rockman. Now this guy, this guy was born to play a Nazi. Which, this this is the guy who got his head bashed in, who wouldn't give up the goods. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This he guy plays a Nazi or a German soldier in probably ninety percent of his roles. He's good though, like oh, and he's so not good. like you kind of feel for him as a soldier, yeah, because you don't really know his allegiance to the Nazi party. You just know his allegiance to his people. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I'm not going to give up my men, and it's just like, oh, and he's brave the whole way through. You're he like, is. You got this for killing Jews for bravery. Yeah, yeah that's, for bravery. That's, that's what's right. so that's crazy. A great about, scene. That's what's so crazy about World War II, is that they were still a nation's army. You know, and yep. like it yeah. doesn't mean everyone. Like you had no choice, right? Not every one of them was a Nazi. You know, unfortunately, they Granted, were. You know, kill all the Nazis. I'm okay with. That. Oh no, no, but yeah, 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 no. Uh, it's unfortunate that you have to be one, right? Yeah, yeah, right. 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 <laughs> like, but like, I love that scene when uh, when the bear Jew comes and kills him, and then Eli Roth calls for the next guy, and he immediately gets shot. Yeah. So right. then it's the third guy. Yeah. And he's like, "Yep," he just points right to it. <laughs> oh yeah, he has no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. And uh, and he's got to wear the uh, he's got to wear the the swastika on his head for the rest uh, of his life. What are you going to do when you take off that uni- uniform? You know, burn it. Well, that's what I thought, and that yep. doesn't sit well. That with doesn't me. abide. Yeah, because you could take that off. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Felling as Sergeant Wilhelm. He's the German soldier in the basement who just had a baby. 
And he's awesome in this Shut show. Shut up, great. bitch. Yeah. You yeah. speak really good for a native German. Yeah, I, I, I also think so. Yeah. <laughs> I surprised myself. Oh, man. Samuel L. Jackson, uncredited as the narrator. Gotta have Sammy in there somewhere. Yep. Harvey Keitel, uncredited as the voice of uh, the OSS commander. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Quentin Tarantino himself, uncredited as an American soldier in the Nation's Pride movie and as a scalped Nazi. And the man whose hands choke Kruger. Yeah. And the hands. <laughs> For that's real. Right. Nation's Pride being Ooh. the movie that is shown at the end. That was an actual five-minute movie right. directed by Eli Roth, and yeah. I think his brother helped his him out, too. His brother did second unit on it, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the, the and, Roth and brothers. that is the end of my list, but it's only about half of the So players. many, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. You said you were going to stop short, and you did yeah. like 18. That's fine. <laughs> this is a hard one to go second by second through, right? Right. But let's talk a little bit about that opening scene. Yes. Right. We're, we're going we're gonna to pick highlights in this one. Opening scene, right? Butler... Just kind of set it up. What's going on here? Uh, so you get this this farmer chopping his fucking stump. Uh, he's just chopping away, not chopping wood, just chopping that stump. Uh, his daughter is doing clothespin hangers. He's just a nice, quiet dairy farm. And in the distance, you hear motorcycles. You hear you hear a very basically a cab, uh, caravan. What comes up is Hans Lanz and the Nazis. The father gets very upset. You know, go get that much water. I got. I got to wash up for these guys. I know what's going to happen. You get the feeling. I mean, you know, your World War Two movie. You get the feeling who's coming. Right. He goes in. He goes to his house. Hans Landa comes in, introduces himself to his daughter. You sit down, and Hans Landa basically explains to this father that there is the family, the Dreyfuses, who are unaccounted for, not shown as escaped, not shown as processed in an internment camp. They're somewhere out there. Someone is hiding the Dreyfuses, basically, and he's going to find them. And now they've been to their farm before, uh, the La Petite farm, and they have found nothing. But that was under previous management. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. Jew hunter, uh, he gets his man. He gets his man, yes. <laughs> uh, what what does he say? He makes a comment about how whenever there's a change of management, there's always going to be some, some redundancy. Overlap, some yeah, overlap, some overlap, yeah. <laughs> uh, and basically starts questioning him. And he's very sinister. You get the idea that he is very smart. He's very clever. Dr- drinks their milk from their cows. Yes. In one take, which... As I'm one big going, long gulp, yeah. How many takes does that take? Because you can only drink some. It better be just one. Like, did Christoph has to do like eight glasses of that? I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Whenever you see an actor eating food, it's just like, you think that's like, oh, you got to eat there. No, he had to eat 27, 30, 40 times. Oh man. At what point is that actually just colored water that he's drinking? <laughs> well, it looked yeah. pretty creamy and thick. Yeah, so. no, it's ugh. But he basically <laughs> says, listen, I know that you have Jews here, basically. They start speaking English. They start by speaking – he speaks German, then he goes to French. Yep. He goes, listen, my French isn't great, even though it's fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. He, he speaks, he, he's English. very fluent in several he languages. He speaks four different languages in this movie. He speaks English, French, German, and then Italian yep. at the end. So, yeah. I mean, and, and again, he, he's, he's just constantly playing with people. Yeah, so he knows English is – he's only using English because he's pretty sure the Dreyfus is down – won't know right, under the floorboards. And he ends up being able to convince Le Petit, like, I'll stop coming and harassing your family, and you'll get some bonuses if you tell me where the drive is. Yep. And he basically goes, they're under your floor, aren't they? And Le Petit has to give him up. And it's a, it's a heartbreaking But before scene. that... He asks if he could break out his pipe. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Lapidide, god! He out like eight foot asks, pipe. "You mind if I have my pipe?" He says, "No, no, no." <laughs> it's a little, it's a little corn cob. Pipe. Yeah, he's got a little corn. Then he gets pipe. out of a box. Meanwhile, like he pulls out like a cart. Hans Landa pulls out like a cartoon yeah. character. It, it's it, like a horn. It looks yeah. like yeah, it looks like a Sherlock. <laughs> it's like a Holmes. horn of plenty. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It almost certainly is a Sherlock Holmes because Hans Landa probably knows Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he probably exactly. He, I'm sure he thinks of himself 
as the German homes. Right. right. So we already know that he keeps very large things in his jacket pocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah we, we know a full-size shoe fits in there very yeah. easily as well. Um, now, do you think – now, here's something they don't ever touch on. Do you think that uh, he leaves the farm uh, – unh- uh, do you think he leaves the farm with them untouched or do you think he kills them too? He absolutely kills them. Yeah. He's got a reputation. And they hid Jews for two years. Yeah. He hid them under the previous management. Hans Landa only got the information because he already knew Le Petit had the information. He yeah. goes, they're here, aren't they? They're under your floorboards, aren't they? He didn't need Le Petit. It was all just an act of screw with them. They're all dead. Yeah, they blow they blow yeah. the floorboards away, kill the entire family. But Shoshana, the oldest daughter, uh, gets away. And he, and he weirdly lets her get away. It's like a game to him almost. Like, oh, yeah. Because he could tell his guys, get in the Jeeps, get in the, and chase her down. And it obviously does not. So, uh, so obviously he gets some kind of joy out of, uh, letting her live knowing that her family just got fucking machine gunned to death. Much like the bastards, you leave one away to tell the tale. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, now he never got a look at her other than from behind running across the field. Right. So he doesn't know really what she looks like, unless maybe they had pictures. They might've had pictures. Yeah. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, because right. it, it comes a mystery later on when they're in the in the restaurant. When he meets her again, he Look. seems to clearly know who she is. He asks who their her aunt and uncle are and how they died. Now they might not be Jews themselves. Okay, but he has probably done the background on who they were, who their relatives are. He knows. Yep. He knows who she is. He's not doing anything because Goebbels and and mm-hmm. uh, Bruce's character likes her, and he's like, all right, I'll play this game because he's probably he probably knows that. Hitler's days are, are running short. Right. And, and that's what makes that scene so beautiful and intense, too. You know, because he always knows something that you don't know he knows. Always knows. Jump jump ahead to the end of the movie. Confronted with the bastards portraying the Italian characters. He speaks fluent Italian. Yeah. He knows he's getting oh, nothing yeah. from them other than basic one-word answers. Grazie. Yes. Grazie. Grazie. He knows it's them, but he has a longer game at play. So he let he lets it go on. This guy, there's never a point. That's why when we get to the end, when he gets his comeuppance, it's extra sweet. Because there's never one point in this movie he's behind the eight ball. Right. He's always one step ahead of everybody. He's always gonna beat them in any situation, and it does not matter. So in the end, when he 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 does win at the end in his own game. Yeah. But he gets fucking he gets a you he here, gets you, a, you win, but here's an asterisk. Yeah, he yeah. gets a memento there. You, here's here's a memento, yeah. and you could you could fucking keep this around for the rest of your life. Um, did you guys notice? I had never noticed this prior to this viewing. That I, and I, I read a stat, but there was a couple different stats. This movie is easily mostly not in English. I had, oh yeah, thirty percent English, I it, think, and you barely even notice it. Right, doesn't matter. The action, the the actions of the character are, are so great. Yep. The dialogue, the way it's emoted, you don't need to know what's going on to know what's going on. Right. You could mute the film, and obviously you'll lose some stuff because the sound and the music is incredible, but you know what's going on. Yeah, I never really focused on the fact that like English is the the least of the languages spoken right. in this movie. You get a lot of French, you get a lot of German, a minor amount of Italian. That that's <laughs> You can throw that out the window. <laughs> but French and German are, are pretty much the primary languages spoken in this film. Which, when they switch, when they do do English, when they do speak English, it makes sense. It, it mm-hmm. works in the film. They don't just all of a sudden speak English for the American audience's sake. Right. They have a reason. Uh, can I speak English? Uh, it's both of our tongues. Let's just speak a common tongue. They explain it and it's, it's done. I love that. I hate it in 
films that take place in the past or films that are European or even science fiction films where all of a sudden they speak English without – give me some kind of explanation as to why. The universal that's, translator. Yeah, that's what, all I need. I'm okay with the universal translator. Yeah. Just tell me it's there. Right. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Any scene in this movie that really stands out to you? That you feel is extremely strong. Let's talk about that. The scene, and I've already alluded to this before, with Hans and Emmanuel slash Shoshana eating strudel and drinking a glass of milk in the diner. This scene is essentially a sequel to that first scene. These two scenes match up perfectly because, what is it, four years later? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. This is the Pacino De Niro scene. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So they're in there because they're... He's trying to vet out uh, the cinema and like, what are your capabilities? He's like, what the chief of security or something like that for for this operation. And uh, so they're they're just talking, and he's so casual and he's so gallant and chivalrous, and, and you know, she's just sitting there when he comes in. Don't, don't they have actually some some music? Like, there's like a heartbeat type of. It's a horror. It's a theme from. I, and I wish I wrote this down. It's a theme from some horror movie. Yeah, that when. <laughs> When he walks in behind her, yes. they play like a couple bars from, um, which this whole scene is hilarious because she's eating lunch with Goebbels. Yeah. And she's not unnerved until this guy comes right. in. <laughs> and it actually unnerves you, the viewer. Right. Because you see him, you know he's there, you don't even see his face yet. And you hear this this sort of heartbeat music or whatever, and your heart just gets going. You're like, oh my God, what is going to happen Absolutely, here? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's a Tarantino movie, which is great because you don't like... From the start, you don't know who's going to make it out alive mm-hmm. right from the start. So she could die in that scene, even if it's only halfway through the film. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And he orders Strudel, and he takes the liberty of ordering her drink, which is milk, which is what they offered him or what he asked for at their house which four is also years ago. Non-kosher, which he knows she won't drink. Yep, because she can't. <laughs> and he also ordered. He also asked for the milk in French. At the house, which he knew she would understand. Right. Because right. she didn't speak English. She learned English, uh, you know, uh, when she got to, to mm-hmm. France. Yeah, that, that scene, it's it's super unnerving. The um, cream on the strudel. And the way they're, the way, yeah, the also, cream on the strudel. It's also milk. It's, she can't have yep. that either. Yep. That's why okay. he puts it on her strudel and, to make her eat it. All right. You know, uh, I never thought of that. Because he knows the whole time. But he let her go, so why not let her go again? He knows that he's torturing her. He, he gets off on this show. Yeah, he knows. Oh, yeah. yeah. He knows he, that he, she knows that he knows and that he loves that. I love I love the when he when he leaves, she exhales. Like she's been She cries and exhales because yep. it's the worst moment. She could have died. She's eating dinner with the worst person in the world who murdered her family. The emotion on her face in those two seconds and it cuts is like Academy Award right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. It's absolutely insane. And this is where we also kind of get the beginning of her her relationship with the Daniel Brühl character, who is, you know, who you think is just essentially a German soldier who is a cinephile, and he's very interested in her. Yep. She's changing out the letters on her on her theater. But then it turns out that he's the story, or he's the uh, the impetus for the story of the movie that they're going to be premiering. Right. Because, and actor. And actor. <laughs> right, yeah. He, he almost, uh, they, they said that they modeled him after Audie Murphy, who was a World okay. War II vet who starred in movies about World War II afterwards. But what what did he do? What was his heroic, Lloyd? His heroic, that uh, he was in basically a church tower all by himself, surrounded by, I don't know, 370, you know, uh, enemy soldiers, and he killed them all. He over didn't kill a matter, them all. Well, he, sh- he shot them all. He, he killed most of them, and then the rest ran away. Uh, yeah, retreated. oh, that's right. That's Which right. Which I actually love that detail. On day one, I killed 50. On day yeah. two, I killed 150. On day three, I killed 70. On day four, the rest of them retreated. Yeah. Right. You know, and he is, and we see, in, in jumping back, in 
the restaurant where he sees her um, that all these other German soldiers are falling over him. Right. He's not, like, telling her of his exploits at all. Right. But it's other people coming up to him, congratulating him, patting him on the back. And she's like, all right, what the fuck's going on? They who do, are, they who do, are you? Yeah, they do a great job where, like, the one of the soldiers and the girlfriend get the autograph. And then in the background, you see them going to sit down, and they're pointing and yeah. talking like, you know, like, we just met fucking Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I love is he doesn't like that, though. No. No. Um, and until the end, you get the feeling that he might actually be a, a decent person if he wasn't a Nazi. Until the very end. Right. Uh, but uh, like he, uh, when he's watching his own film, as he's watching those people dying, that's not... He loves cinema. He's, he's great that he's not active. enjoying it he at all. He is not watch, enjoying watching people die. Right. He even makes the comment about... <clears throat> Uh, what was it like when he's I'll talking watch, to her? I'll watch my other premieres. Right, I'll watch my other premieres, and uh, but once this thing went into like the third reel, you know, and I thought that was a weird line, kind of from from Gerbils, because you think he would like love that stuff, but when mm-hmm. he's like, I understand, boy, like even one of the worst Nazis understands that this might not be something anybody would want to watch. Right, but, you know, their exploits of killing three hundred plus or two hundred plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Daniel Brühl really good in this, and uh, I'm glad that he's kind of done more stuff since then. You know, I haven't seen him in a ton of things, but... Yeah, you you do. You find yourself actually liking him, maybe sort of rooting for oh, him you, a little you, bit. You absolutely. Until he comes into the theater, the raping. projection yeah. room, and then what he does absolutely. in there. Absolutely. He gets... He, he does... Yeah. I, he can't take no for an answer, busts down the door yeah. and goes, I'm not used to taking no for yeah, an answer. Yeah, you don't say no like, to me. Ask the 300 people yeah. out there who are dead. Come on, Zoller. <laughs> you were such a nice guy before. Yeah, that line bothered me because, yeah. like you said, you, you got it perfectly. He gets rapey. And not only does he get rapey, but then he uses that, you know, you don't say no to me. Ask the 300 people that said, you know, that yeah. that, that, that tried to take me out. He shows his Nazi his Nazi self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and up until this point, you see him as nothing but polite guy. And even though you know she has all the right reasons to not want anything to do with him, to hate him, you're almost like, give the guy a chance, you know? Like, she, almost, she does feel bad for shooting him at the end. Yeah, see, yeah. And that's what bothered me some, because she clearly, she hates Nazis, right? Right. And she she could see through this guy. She doesn't want anything to do with him. And she shoots him dead, apparently, right. you know. But then he all it takes is him moaning a little bit. And she goes over there. Well, that's human, though. I mean, yeah, no, she's never... No, I don't... She's I don't never killed so. anybody. She's not one of the bastards. Right. Mm-hmm. He, what I don't think is smart of her is she doesn't kill him. She kills him too soon. Like, what's her intent to go over there? Just to comfort him until he dies? I don't know. That's I, what I didn't... I like yeah. didn't really get that part. I like that scene because I feel like that's human. Yeah. I feel like if I pulled the gun out right now and shot someone, even if I wanted to defend myself or shoot them, I'd immediately be like, fuck, what did I do? Yeah. I'm sorry, are, buddy. Are, are, like, are, <laughs> but are, she's not going to say I'm sorry. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did the person you shoot have an, uh, like a swatch gun on them, though? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. different. Then I guess like, that is different. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that is different. But yeah, she's never killed anybody before. She should have played the game a little longer. I was surprised she didn't play it like a lock the door. All right, now I'm going to shoot you. Like, yeah. wait till your real hits. Wait till. You see that your results were good. Wait till you see that you don't have to do like a plan B or anything. She just acts way too quickly, I feel like. She yeah. should have played that, lock the door. Okay, now get ready. Now take your pants off. Now take your jacket off. Like She should have gotten the pants around yeah. the ankles. Yeah, get him when Give he was... Give it three and a half couldn't... minutes. Yeah. yeah. Get the pants around the ankles. Get him semi, you know, there. Make sure your reel is playing before you risk your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I liked about, like we talked about the use of language and the English only being used when it should be used. Right. I've read. I read a couple of people um, online doing some research on this, uh, almost complaining about it, but I like it. Is the fact that her final message? So at the end, you know, they're going to blow the theater up, and she films this bit of yeah. her in English, kind of saying, you know, like the, I, I'm I'm the Jews' revenge and all this right. stuff. But she does it in English, and they. I read a few people saying, well, the the theater. Most of these people would not be speaking English. 
But I think part of it that's scarier is they have no fucking clue what she's saying. It's almost alien to them, like this giant head. Because the, the chapter is what is it called? The Revenge of the of the uh, of the head or something like that. Something, something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like imagine you're in this building on fucking fire. You got these two. Italian Jews um, up in the uh, balcony shooting everybody, and then you've got this thing, and you don't know what the fuck it's saying. Like, well, I don't know. It's just, it's all terrifying. I think they, they make a mention of it, make sure it's in English. He says that when they're filming, when they're doing a little bit where they're filming it, where she's on the staircase. Because they didn't want anybody to, to understand what I they're going to do. I think if you're French or if you're German, there's one language that almost everybody in Europe learns, and that's English. Yeah. It is to make sure that the Germans understand it, and whoever's French in the audience, because they didn't know who they were inviting, everyone's going to understand her message to these Nazis. Right. That's which is, right. I'm going to kill everybody. And it kind of works too, and I don't know if I buy it, but one of the theories for the Tarantino verse is that it's this fact that Hitler died in a cinema that made cinema such a big part of what goes on in the Tarantino verse afterward. That because everyone loves cinema, that's why Pulp Fiction talks about it all the time. Kill Bill. They're all obsessed with these characters hmm. and the way cinema is. That's why life is heightened in the Tarantino verse is because Hitler was killed in a movie theater watching a movie. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, I don't I'm know not if sure I, if I, I don't buy know. that, but Yeah, I don't buy that either, but I like that theory. Yeah. I'm like, th- there's no fucking way that's the reason and why it, I like it. It also has a better impact as, a, as an American viewer, you know, to, to hear the oh, words sure, rather yeah. than reading well, them. Like, because yeah. What is it? The words are, my name is Shoshana Dreyfus, and this is the face of Jewish vengeance. The face yeah. of Jewish vengeance, which yeah. is a great fucking line. She's essentially the ghost in Raiders. Yeah. yeah. That the whole thing I'm watching, I'm going like, she's just, it, it's it's the arc opening up. Oh, <laughs> it is perfect the way the film is burning in the background, so it's rising up her face. And then when the film is completely gone, the, the, the screen... It's just smoke, and you still Projected see the projection of her laughing. face in the smoke. <laughs> oh, it's, it's brilliant. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you read this or not, but like the flame burned way hotter than it should have, and apparently yep. like came very close to killing Eli Roth. And, Even uh, the swastika <laughs> that falls down should was not. not it was planned that way, but Tarantino heat. again, maybe another abuse of his actors. Who knows? <laughs> he filmed that scene wearing a fire retardant like asbestos suit, and Eli Roth and Omar Doom are on this balcony for real in this building that's on fire and they said that they were literally like getting singed from yeah. you know I, I can't remember if it was supposed to burn at like 700 degrees and was burning at like 1400 Oof. but it I was think crazy. it was even more it was absolutely crazy so that covers a lot of, of those things here's a scene we got to talk about the fucking basement bar the basement scene. oh yeah it's one of my favorite scenes it's the most I think the most memorable scene of the whole movie yeah apart from Hans Landa's introduction um yeah I think I'll agree with you I think I'll agree with you it's a centerpiece scene for sure it is yeah it's it, you know so the the bastards in are in the fucking basement. <laughs> <laughs> the bastards are meeting up with uh, with uh, Archie, uh, the character played by Michael Fassbender, who has been sent in um, to meet up with Diane. What, what is her name again? Uh, Diane von Hammersmark. Yeah. Yeah. Bridget, Bridget von, von Hammersmark, Hammersmark, who is a, uh, a, a essentially a traitor to the Nazi people, to the German people. She's working with the British government um, as an insider, and they're all going to meet. Um, not all the bastards. It's just going to be. Uh, two of the bastards and the the um, two that speak German. The two that speak German. Stiglitz oh. and Wiki. Wiki. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. And they're going to meet up. And they're going <laughs> to they're going to meet up with her, and they're going to be her plus ones. Plus ones to the movie premiere, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and they're supposed to be the ones that actually carry out the mission, not uh, not Omar and uh, and Donnie the Bear Jew. But things don't turn out the way they should turn out because what's wrong with this situation? Wilhelm has had a baby. Well, not just that. What is? What is wrong with this situation from the get-go? Why why does Aldo Rain have a problem with 
It's in a fucking because basement. Because you're fighting in a basement. You ever fight in a basement? Yeah. It's, it's got no exit points, and it's a fucking basement. So they're essentially thinking that this is a perfect way for her to turn on them somehow. Right. And they don't want to do it, but they end up doing it. Yeah. It's a basement bar. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and there's also supposed to be what? Nobody there. No one there. They get down there, and as you were going to say... Wilhelm has had a baby. Maximilian. Maximilian was born. <laughs> it's Vandebach. <laughs> it, it's Vandebach. And about six or maybe six or seven uh, soldiers were given the night off by their commanding officer, and they're there partying. They're playing the the game of uh, like you know, guess who I am with the, with the cards. Yes, it's Put heads the card up. on your head. Heads, heads up. up. Yeah. yeah. So nothing is turning out right. This whole scene is a scene of nothing turning out right. Right. The wrong people are there. Too many Nazis. It's in a basement. Uh, and then all of a sudden, what what gets called out? The accent, right? Because the August Deal character is in the back of the fucking of the bar drinking a boot. By the way, <laughs> he's drinking a boot, yep. and he hears uh, this strange accent. That the, this is the crazy part. Michael well, Max, Fassbender, Ma- uh, not Max. Wilhelm notices the accent first Wilhelm, and comes yeah. over. Wilhelm notices. He goes, it. "I also have an ear for accents." Yes, comes over, says the ear for accents thing. The crazy part thing is, is Michael Fassbender is English and German mm-hmm. and has a natural German accent that they had to have him dummy down <laughs> not to sound German because he's essentially coming off uh, when he when he's introduced in the movie, he's got a very effete British accent. Yes, a very chap. proper very, old yes. chap. Yeah, yes, uh, I believe it's called. Uh, Royal, um, no, uh, fuck. I've had to do it before. Something pronunciation. Oh my god, never mind. All right, all right. <laughs> I could lose that, no problem, brother. Um, <laughs> no, but he's got this, you know, very effete accent, very proper pronunciation. He gets kind of called out for not having much of a uh, of a German accent to the point where the uh, what, what's the character's name? The August Steel character, the SS guy. Yeah, hold on. There's so many. I got to go through here. Major Hellstrom. Hellstrom. Dieter Hellstrom. So much to the point where Hellstrom can immediately call out where Stiglitz is from. He says, well, uh, a major Frankfurt, Frankfurt and then... Frankfurt and something else. And yeah, major uh, yep. Berlin or something. He knows. So all of a sudden we get them sitting down and they want to they want to play a game. They're going to play heads up. And this whole thing is tense, right? Am I... Am I this is... From, from the moment they're down there. From the jump. This is yeah. super tense. Like this everything is, is, has the right way to go wrong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. the most uncomfortable scene in cinema. Like... In terms of like kind of office uncomfortable, like when yeah. things are going wrong, you're just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And I always talk on Forgotten Cinema, like these are my least favorite scenes usually. But this is so uncomfortable and so tense and the stakes are so high. And it's so well done. And I think well it's done. the fact that the stakes are so high, yes, and it's so well done that you're just like, I, I don't want to be here, but I have to. I can't look like, away. I can't. Yeah. 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 It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. And that's what makes it so great. Yeah. It's like everyone lingers a little too long, but it works because usually when someone lingers too long, you like you just you check out. But these guys lingering too long just makes the dread and the intensity just build and build and you know something's gonna blow. And then Hilkoff's yells at him. I'm sorry, but they are my friends, so you're 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 the you're the stranger yeah. here. You gotta go. It's like what are you Oh my uh, god, dude. Come on, Heathcliff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you guys think it was weird that none of the uh, now there could be a reason for this, but do you think it was weird that none of the German off well the German officer or any of the um enlisted men enlisted men didn't rec- recognize Hugo Stiglitz? I I that's uh, my first note in the scene is no one knows Stiglitz. Because Stiglitz has a little memory during this scene of being whipped for insubordination. Yeah. yeah. But he's supposed to be this big deal. Everyone knows Stiglitz. His name's in the paper. They yep. show his face That's, big time in the newspaper. That was one thing I had. A, I, I kind of almost could get why the younger people wouldn't know. 
But I felt like Hellstrom, Hellstrom would definitely yeah. fucking go. Because fuck, that's Hugo Stigma. I'm assuming Hellstrom is the one that whipped him because that's when Hellstrom came in the room. That's when oh, he had his memory. So? Okay. Yeah. You know, so I, I never. In, yeah. In my head, it's really stupid. But I almost just pictured he's picturing where he'd rather be anywhere else in that uh, moment, and that's like his there, happy place. There's a, there's a great scene in the, in the Val Kilmer top secret movie where someone's boring him, and he just he starts daydreaming about someone whipping him. Yeah, and I felt like this was very similar. Like he's just like zoning out, and he's just thinking of violence. Like that's his thing. But you're absolutely right. I, it would have been a little better if they showed Hellstrom with yeah. him because it would have added even that. Like it didn't need it. But it would have added that much more to when he blows his fucking balls off. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and one of the other things I love about the scene where he blows his balls off is the fucking blood geyser. Oh, yeah. Just, it like, right up. shoots right up in the air. Um, this is the, this becomes a Mexican standoff. And we're essentially, everybody's got guns pointed at everybody's balls under the table. Everybody dies, right? Yeah, everybody every, dies. But Everyone. before that, Hickox gets the, my favorite line in the whole movie. Oh, if you don't mind, old boy, if, uh, if it's all blown oh. up the spot. Uh, I'd like to go out speaking the kings. Yeah, yeah. There's a special spot in hell reserved for those who don't finish their scotch. Yes, yeah, that is I good. That so was that great line. Damn good stuff. I love that. That whole fucking line. I'm like, uh, that's when I knew Fassbender was like, I want to watch anything this guy's. I didn't realize he's in 300, but obviously he's in 300. But after this, I was like, I would watch him take a dump in a toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like that that little speech he gives right there was like, yes. As he's like absolutely. very coolly lighting a cigarette and he knows he's gonna die. I even like his like... bits in uh, Alien Covenant. Oh he's good. Oh he's yeah. fantastic yep. in, in both Prometheus and Covenant. Like his acting, he No, he's good as David. Is so good. He's good as David. It's not yep. great not great products, but and and what Lloyd, what gives him away? What is what is it that actually gives him away. Well, when they're ordering drinks, what were they? I don't know. Was was it whiskey they were ordering? He orders three scotches. Scotches. Yeah. That's right. And he holds up three fingers uh, of his hand, but he holds up the wrong three fingers. Uh, Germans don't hold up the normal index, middle finger, middle, right. ring finger, and index finger. They hold up thumb, thumb, and index, put, put down the ring and, finger. And yeah, and middle. And what I love about that is that when he does it, when he put, because you get a feeling that. Hellstrom is going to back off. When he says, he goes, you know, I, okay, I know I've been a pest. And it, he, right. you get a feeling, he says, let me buy you guys a drink. You get a feeling that he actually might be backing off at that point. Because when he holds up the fingers, Hellstrom's eyes go right to the fingers. Yes. Oh, yeah. His oh, yeah. They look right at him. His immediately. And, as and a, that's when everything changes. And you don't find out about the fingers right. until. As a viewer, you don't know what he saw, but he, you know he saw something. Right. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And after everybody gets killed, I'm like, Where's the scene where they explain the fingers? I didn't yeah. remember that Diane Kruger, because she survives the, the thing, right. um, is able to tell Aldo Rain that, yeah, he held up the... In Germany, we hold up these three, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah it, She's got no tr- no problem blowing away Wilhelm either. No, you know right. what? And, well, because he calls her uh, a traitor. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's even yeah. worse, though, right? Horror or slut traitor or is whore, yeah. And the yeah. other guy calls Shut her up, slut. slut. Yeah. yeah, that's Shut it. Shut up, slut. <laughs> um, but so, she's not a... She's a German. She's not... Well, yeah. I feel like that's probably what most Germans who didn't believe in the Nazi party back then right. thought of themselves. Like, I'm not a traitor. You're a fucking traitor. Yeah. You're ruining the world. You're ruining how everyone will see us for, like, forever. Mm. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> True. <laughs> exactly. You know, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's it, it, you know, we've got great relationships with Germany, Germany you know, now, and people love going there. And, but unfortunately, that that's going to hang over for a while. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, it, should it? No. But it's it's gonna hang over for a while. Let's get to the very end because I want to talk about one last thing before we get into uh, to ratings and and some box office and stuff like that. The the final bit with Hans Landa. So Hans Landa comes across in this whole thing. You never really get a feeling that he's like a rah rah Nazi, 
right? You, you, you just get a feeling that he's been hired. He's, he's doing his job. He's doing his job, and he's an evil fuck. But you never really get, like, the full full, I, full throttle I'm a Nazi thing, right? I'm a, I'm a great detective, and this job allows me to be a great detective. Correct. Right, for yeah. sure. Right. Um, he, you know, even when he's talking about, like, comparing the Jew to a rat, he's not saying that out of full, like, hatred for Jews. He's making an allegory right. for, you know, how he feels. Other people don't like rats. Right. But there's nothing wrong with there's, rats. Right. There's no you reason don't you like don't like a rat. Right. You just don't because they don't feel he's right not, He's not Hitler or, or Goebbels. And what happens at the end of this movie is that he essentially sells out the Nazis, tells everybody, okay, I'm going to let you do what you do at the movie theater. I'm going to let Donnie Donowitz and, and Omar blow the fucking place up. Kill kill Hitler. Kill all the main guys there, right? But here's what you're going to do for me, right? And what are they going to do for him, Butler? Give him a his full severance pay, everything that he would have gotten uh, under his command uh, in terms of pension and payment. And they're going to give him a Medal of Honor. In fact, yeah. all the bastards are going to get Medal of Honors, thanks to <laughs> yeah. everybody. Uh, and wishy winks at uh, Rain for. And then he uh, asked for it in his own private... Residents in Nantucket Island, uh, paid for by the U.S. government paid for, for allowing this to happen and for pushing a TNT uh, device underneath Goebbels' Goebbels' seat to begin with, which he does do. He does uh, do. Yeah. Occurred. He just takes that dynamite and puts it right under that chair. You know, what we didn't say is actually that Operation Kino is, in fact, pretty much the same operation that Shoshana has, has conjured up. Oh, it just happens to blow up that theater. Right. They just happen to have the same exact plan, which is a little ad- added bonus. And technically, hers is the one that actually works, <laughs> right? Because they're all barred in. Yeah, they can't it, move. It technically doesn't an- doesn't work for anybody in the end because she ends up dead, and uh, and you know you don't know what happens to half of the, the the bastards, but you assume most of them have to have lived because they weren't there. They would have all gone out. The war would have ended at that point. You right. killed everyone in the Nazi party who was a leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, and that's what that's what he keeps saying. He says it more than once at the end. For essentially ending the war tonight. Oh, you asked me to end the war tonight. I'll take that gig. Would you take that? I'd take that. I'd take yeah. that. Would but you you're going to go that? home. You're going to take that uniform off on Nantucket Island. That I cannot abide. Yeah. And <laughs> the movie... How about you, Yudovich? Can you abide? I can't abide, sir. <laughs> as as he's scalping the driver. Right. <laughs> that, that's one scene that I honestly felt doesn't fit necessarily. Now, again, not a Nazi. But I felt like, uh, would Londa have been that upset when they shot the driver? Because he really is. He's like, it's what more, are you doing? It's more fear for his life, I think. Yeah. You think that's what it is? It's, it's him it. not saying it, but him going like, oh, shit, am I next? Okay. Right. That's Because right. really, like, it's already over. They could have just killed Londa. I, I, that's what I don't understand. He doesn't have any information that they, at this point, need. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he says, oh, I can give you the names of the rest of the SS officers, but you've killed him. Yeah, but you living with Gerber, a swastika is worse than killing someone. Exactly, yeah, I think, yeah. I think he wants to have him yeah. like that. I, I love he, what, he's not lasting on Nantucket. <laughs> at, when, he, when he kills, when they kill the driver, he says something oh, about... I, 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 no, I, I won't be sent to jail. I'll be chewed out. I've been chewed out before. But I've, I've been, been chewed, chewed out, out before. before. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I've been, been chewed out. out before. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the movie ends with... Uh, with the great, like, uh, you know, scene of, uh, of Aldo carving the swastika into Londa's head. I think that's your masterpiece, sir. Yeah, and it just <laughs> yep. ends right then and there. And uh, and this is kind of the, you know, we, we get it again in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is kind of his first dive into the alternate reality history. The Tarantino-verse history. The Tarantino-verse <laughs> history, which, you know, is... There's different levels of that, too. The real... Oh. I forget the name of them, but there's different levels of oh, the history. The real, real... Yeah, some of them are movies. Yeah. Some of them are reality. Yeah. he. It's it's trippy. And I don't know if I buy all of it, but... It's real trippy. It's really weird. All right. Better than the Marvelverse. <laughs> <laughs> MCU. 
Ugh. All right. <laughs> I like the MCU. <laughs> Tarantinoisms. Master, what do we got? All I mean, right. I think so, Butler has some good ones too. If you whatever you yeah, if missed. I miss any, because um, I was so more more engrossed in the movie, and yeah. I may have missed some things. <laughs> uh, so we've got another bare feet scene with Hans Landa uh, interrogating Bridget von Hammerschmark. Uh, the shoe fits. You got the corpse POV scene. There's only a couple, uh, and it, they happen after they get after Aldo Rain carves the swastika. You get the the corpse POV looking up at their face, and that is the last scene in the movie. Like you just said, with that's my masterpiece. Uh, you get the th- uh, third Mexican standoff scene, which is a little unconventional, but you know we got Wilhelm pointing the gun at Aldo, and then you got the guys upstairs with the. Uh, it's not a Mexican standoff. I, I, you have to. Well, we're gonna throw a grenade. If you grenade, kill me, yeah. I'm gonna throw. Have my boys throw grenades down there, and they're gonna get you. Hence Mexican standoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got another record player close up uh, in the basement tavern. You've got your. Black and white suit uh, with Donnie Donowitz and all. <laughs> I almost did it again. De Coco. De Coco. Margarita and De Coco. Uh, we're in the tuxedos at the uh, premiere of the movie. Uh, you've got another torture scene where Aldo tortures uh, Von Hammerschmark by sticking his finger in her yeah. bullet hole. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that looked painful. Yep. And you got another close up on lips uh, with Shoshana getting dressed. In the 80s-ist montage he's ever done. Yeah. As I'm watching, yeah. I'm going, oh, I think yeah. this is like his first 80s montage. Yeah. Like, it's just, I want to do an 80s montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see him like going like, is, is it like weird, creepy? <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is going to be fucking good. It's going to be fucking good. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's just do it. Uh, and then you got the diner scene where it wasn't really a diner. It was a restaurant, but you got all the people talking there. Do we uh, get a trunk scene in this one or a hood scene? No trunk. Okay. Nope. Although, Not that I saw, but the carving scenes both look up the, like as if it were right. the trunk scenes. So the trunk scene in the PO, in the corpse POV scene is kind of similar scenes. Uh, and then I got a couple of uh, of the Tarantino verse, and I know uh, Butler has some more. Lee Donowitz from True Romance, the movie producer, the movie producer is the son of Inglorious Bastards Donnie Donowitz. And what's interesting about that Drew. in True Romance. He produced a film called Coming Home in a Body Bag, which was about, I think he says, about his father's experiences in the war. Okay, yep. That's interesting. His okay, father yeah, would have cool. come home in a Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, his father, there's probably not much left. No, no, He no. blew up with the thing around his ankle. No, he did blow up with the thing around his ankle, but he really, I can't express this enough. If you ever want to see, if you, if you ever, if you're any person, you don't have to be Jewish, but if you ever want to see Hitler really getting the fuck killed out of him, <laughs> when they're shooting him in the face. I love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Holy God. Holy fuck. And then they go back and they shoot him again. Even yeah, though he's like already a dead. a little extended scene there. It, it, it looks good, but at the same time, it looks so like, it's so brutal. Like his face, it just looks like a puppet after a while. Yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was, I think everyone in the theater when I watched it were applauding. Yeah, I, I was just like oh, yeah. clapping in the theater, like yes. Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a wish fulfillment it's good to for see many that. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then you have Michael Fassbender's Archie Hickox uh, is related to Tim Roth's character Pete Hickox in The Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. Yep. And actually, Tim Roth was going to play Archie Hickox. Uh, he was mm-hmm. he was trying to work it out with Tarantino, and it didn't work out. He was the original, I guess, choice. Brad Pitt's character Aldo Rain is. Floyd's great grandfather from True Romance. I read that the nice. other day for the first time ever. I had never, I had and never. Yeah. Both played by Brad Pitt. Yeah, both played by Brad Pitt. That's yeah. why they look so. so they're quite the family resemblance. Don't there. don't condescend to me, man. <laughs> that means Floyd is part Apache. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. 
That's all I got. No, in no terms product. Of Tarantino, but yeah, you don't even get the cigarettes in this one. No, 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 you don't. No red apples. All right, let's get into uh, the box office, and then let's review the, or let's uh, give our ratings for this thing. All right, so the weekend of eight six, I mean eight twenty one, number one, Inglorious Bastards, thirty eight million. Uh, number six that week, Shorts. Number five, Julie and Julia. Number four, The Time Traveler's Wife. Number three, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. And number two, District 9. Oh, great movie. Great movie. And then for the year that year, 2009, I'm going with worldwide numbers. All right, that's fine. For this one. Uh, Inglorious Bastards came in number 20 that year. 321.5 million. Long movie, too. Long movie, too. Uh, Number 10, The Hangover. Number nine, Angels and Demons. Number eight, Sherlock Holmes. Seven, Twilight Saga, The New Moon. Number six... Up. Yep. Number five, the really bad 2012. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Number four, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> Number three, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Number two, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. The worst of the Harry Potter films. And then number one that year, you got to know what this is. 2009? Yeah, 2009, 2.7 billion. Avatar? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised J.J. Abrams' Star Trek wasn't in the top ten that year. Yeah, me too. No. Well, yeah, not really? not worldwide. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. I think it might have been in the top ten domestic. Okay. But you know, there's a lot Up of people listening. To I'm surprised Up is so low. Yeah. I'm surprised The Hangover is only like ten or nine. That's very American, though. I am surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too surprised about oh, that. Oh, did we also mention uh, Inglorious Bastards nominated for eight Academy Awards? One 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 one. Christoph Waltz. Well deserved, super deserved. <laughs> Holy fuck! He... One again the next year for Django. Yeah, yeah, two in a row, two uh, two of the same uh, supporting actor uh, awards in a row. All right, let's review this thing. Let's talk about it. Let's rate it on the QT. We follow Pine of Comics uh, scoring uh, techniques, zero to five. Quarter scale is optional. Uh, we'll finish this with the boss, Mike Butler, because uh, we want to do this, you know, the right good, way. Good, good. That gives me more time to finish my audit right. real quick. Huh? I'll go first. You want to go first? I'll go first. All right. I'm not going to do my long explanation. Just five out of five. Ooh. That's it. Five out of Ooh, five for me. All right. All right. We talked earlier, and I said that this one was hard for me. So far, I gave Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction a five. And then since then, there has been another five, but there's been some good ones in there. Not death proof. <laughs> um, this one here is as close as we're going to get to a five again for me, but it just can't hit five totally. Mm. There's, there's some surprised. things I would like to see... Like I said, a little bit more of the bastard stuff would have been nice. But again, this movie is fucking great. I'm not rating it on what I didn't see. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. B- based on what I did see, I'm giving this a 4.75. All right, very Five good. Five is so tough for me to grade. Um, there's only a handful, well, I don't want to say handful, there's 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 a shoebox full of fives out there for me. Yep. Um, and he's gotten two of them, the first two right off the bat. But yeah, this one is is pretty damn close. This is a 4.75. All right. All right, Butler, what Butler. do you got? Uh, are we grading these out of movies in general or just Tarantino movies? What is this rating star system? The movies on? in general. Yeah. The movies in general? Movies in general. This is a 4.5. This movie is a fantastic movie, and I would have given it five stars if I hadn't seen Django afterward. Yeah. and or, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he perfects the historical Tarantino. This is his first historical Tarantino, and it is fantastic. It is phenomenal. But Django and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are the fives for that. Take it to the next level. Uh, yeah, he just anything wrong that I found in this film in my notes, I go, well, it it's a little better when it's Django, or it's a little bit better when it's Once Upon a Time, uh, in terms of 
the, all the detail and stuff like that. So I, I'm going to have to give it a 4.5. It is phenomenal. It is one of a kind. It is the first of its kind. Uh, and then the only two that have come since are his own films. So yeah. mm-hmm. it is still phenomenal. It's a fantastic film. All right. All right. All I right. feel pretty good about that. Average 4.75 score. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. All right. So before we talk about uh, what's coming up next on On the QT, let's talk about ForgottenEntertainment.com, Forgotten Entertainment, the shows you're doing, what's coming out, what's happening, what's going on for the rest of the year in 2021. Oh, Forgotten Entertainment has a ton of stuff that's already out. Uh, obviously, you guys are listening to On the QT, so you guys know about that. Feel free to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff for that. We've also got the Yet Another series, Yet Another MCU podcast, which is wrapped up until they start making more movies and more movies are released with Mike Field and Pat Whalen. we got Yet Another Star Wars podcast about Star Wars with the, the folks from Bohemian Geek Studies, which is another podcast we have. <laughs> we have Yet Another DC Animated Universe podcast, which is just released uh, when this comes out. I believe they're already a couple episodes in. Yeah, Check them out. Um, they do a deep dive into the DC Animated Universe and how it relates to the comics and pop culture and all that kind of stuff. We've also got uh, Two Player Bros, which is a podcast I do about video games. We've also got Crackin' Wood Open. It's a podcast I do with my fiance at least, which is about beer and craft beer. If you like brewery, you want to know the history of the beer and stuff like that, listen to that. And we also have Forgotten Cinema, uh, which is kind of the granddaddy, I guess, podcast. Uh, And that is about forgotten films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, which uh, we kind of talk about. Not necessarily unpopular films, but films that just kind of get overlapped by films like Marvel, Indiana Jones, Draws, stuff like that. Right. And we do a deep dive into those films, plus a whole bunch of other stuff coming out. Uh, and if you like the sound of my voice, check out my audiobooks on Audible. Uh, please buy them. I don't get paid unless you guys buy the books. My name is Michael Butler. I got a bunch of horror books out there. Sour, Switch Art, Fraud and Gangsters, The Final Girl, Coffee at Midnight, Progressive Entrapment, The Murder of uh, Kelly Christopher. Check those books out on Audible. All right. So check it's a Butler show. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty soon he's going to be the host of this. He's going to be the host. Right. Of, he's just going to morph into everything. <laughs> he's uh, the boss man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Check us out at Pine of Comics. Please go check out our other, our other podcast. You can hear us twice a week for the next, uh, you know, what, four or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. Next week on On the QT, we'll be talking about Butler's, uh, what, did you give it a five? Your number one Can we film. say five? Oh, Django is my favorite. So it was a five, though. I, mean, I want you to pre-rate it. Pre-rate it? Yeah. 5.5. Five, oof, he's... <laughs> Christoph, first of all, Django, the whole movie is fantastic. Leonardo DiCaprio is so good. But Christoph Waltz as uh, Schultz is... He's 5.5. He's one of my favorite characters in all of cinema. So good to see him as a good guy. Yeah. Alexander Dumas was black. Yeah. <laughs> and when he says, I'm sorry to Django, when he knows what's going to happen, and he sets off the third act. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. All right. So he gives us a 5.5. You could hear us talk about it with our guest uh, from SWOProductions.com, uh, Rob Stewart. We'll be talking about that next week. Next week. So please join us again. And until then, until Lloyd. Then. Until then, Arrivederci. What does he say to her again? I want to say that though. Shoshana! Shoshana! Au revoir, Shoshana! Au revoir, Shoshana!